Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Habits. In this series, we are focusing on habits that we can implement into our routine that bring focus and health into our spiritual, emotional, and physical lives. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select Contact Us, and send us an email. Exceptional service is something that captures our attention, isn't it? I mean, how many of you have uh, gone to a store to return something and the clerk did everything that he or she could to make you happy? Or how often have you uh, uh, gone to a restaurant and the, the wait staff pays careful attention to every need that you have and you feel like you've had the best meal of your life? Or love them or hate them, how many of you have been impressed when you went to Chick-fil-A and a teenager said it was their pleasure to serve you? Catches you off guard, doesn't it? I mean, adults don't say that often, so it's shocking when a teenager says it to you. Recently, I heard a story about a man named Joe, and he's an executive who does a lot of business traveling. And one day, he was on a flight, and he commented to himself, he goes, I can't believe uh, this flight crew. They're the most attentive, responsive flight crew that I've ever seen. So toward the end of his flight, he stopped one of the flight crew members and said, you know, excuse me, I don't mean to bother you, but uh, the flight crew here has done a fantastic job. They're the most engaged, enthusiastic, servant-oriented crew that I've ever seen. The flight attendant got a little smile on her face as she bent down and she whispered to Joe, thank you, sir, but you can thank that woman back there in seat 12B. Um, She is our supervisor, and she's on the flight today. (laughs) I guess she portrayed a little bit about the kind of service that she was giving. Today, we're talking about the the habit of service. We're in this series called Habits, Intentional Choices in a Busy Life. And what we're really looking at are these biblical habits that we as followers of Christ are encouraged to embrace and to make our own. And and as I've said many times, you know, we're not trying to overwhelm you and give you a bunch of new habits, but we're trying to expose you to what the Bible says about them so you can learn about them. You know, when it comes to serving others of all people in the world, the people who should seek to do the very best job and serve with excellence should be followers of Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Because of the words of Jesus when he talked about when he would return on earth. He tells this story. He says, the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you, a stranger, and invite you in or needing clothing and clothe you? When did we see you sick and in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whenever... Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. 
As the parable goes on, we understand that those who served are blessed and those who, who don't serve are not blessed. But, but see, our motivation to serve isn't the fear of not being blessed. Our motivation to serve is the knowledge that we're serving the one who gave the ultimate service to us, who loved us enough to be crucified on a cross. We serve Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Son of God. So let's look at this idea of service today. You know, service is how we treat God and people at home, at work, at school, in the community, and in the world, in, in every moment of every day. You know, I appreciate what the great reformer Martin Luther said in the 1500s uh, when he was asked by a person how they could serve God. Luther said to the man, he said, you know, what do you do for work? The man said, I'm a shoemaker. Much to his surprise, Martin Luther replied, then make good shoes and sell them at a fair price. You see, Luther didn't tell this person to leave his shoe business and to become a monk. Why? Because as followers of Christ, we are called to faithfully serve God in a variety of vocations and jobs wherever we are. We're called to serve him in every area of our lives. We don't need to justify that work in terms of its spiritual value or its evangelistic usefulness. We simply pursue our calling as followers of Jesus Christ with new God-glorifying motives and goals and standards. Now, there are many things that we could say about serving, uh, but if we limited ourselves to, to the essential of what we see in Scripture, uh, these are four things that I would like us to look at today about being servants of Jesus Christ. Here's the first thing that we are called to do in our service. The first thing is to glorify God. To glorify God. Now, uh, Jesus' followers and his leaders understood that serving God was all about giving glory to God. When Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, he wrote because there was an issue in the church that arose over individual liberty, over personal freedom. While the, there was an issue in that church, um, this is what he spoke about. He said, you know, there, there were these issues that many people had come out of a Jewish background, and there were specific Jewish food laws then, as there are today for followers of Judaism. But they had, those laws had no longer had effect on followers of Jesus. But some people still observed them and were upset when Christians didn't observe them. And for instance, ate meat that had been offered to pagan idols. So Paul writes saying that, that Christians have a right to do anything that is not a sin, but, and this is huge, he writes, though we are free to do anything, everything is not beneficial or constructive. So he says Christians should be concerned with the good of others rather than their own good. And this is what he concludes in that section, whatever you do. Do it all for the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So let's tackle an issue and uh, something that we feel strongly about 
as being a right that's driving, honestly, this crazy discord that's been going on for years in our country and in our world. What I'm talking about is freedom of speech. Uh, the divisive and disrespectful speech that's been going on in our government and among followers of Jesus needs to be addressed. And I could take Paul's words and say, we have the right to say anything, but not everything spoken is beneficial. We have freedom of speech, but not every spoken word is constructive. So as followers of Jesus, we should glorify God with the words that we speak. Choosing to glorify God may mean that we forfeit some of our personal rights, some of our individual freedoms. Why? Because there's a greater good. There's a greater glory to God than for our personal rights. Now, the Apostle Paul goes on and he talks about glorifying, excuse me, the Apostle Peter talks about glorifying God by using our gifts to serve. Listen to what Peter says. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So this is a clear instruction that we're called to use the gifts that God has given to us to glorify God. So think about that. You have talents, you have abilities, you have learned skills, and, and as followers of Jesus Christ, hopefully you've discovered what your spiritual gifts are. We're supposed to use them to glorify God. Throughout the history of the church, this has always been something that needed to be instructed and trained in every generation, and, and there have been many methods used to, to tr teach the Christian doctrine of service and other doctrines. Uh, the Westminster Shorter Catechism was written centuries ago. In 1646, it was an attempt to bring the Church of England and the Church of Scotland together. And the, the Shorter Catechism consists of 107 questions and answers to teach doctrine. And quite honestly, it's a, it's a great tool today that I still recommend. The first question of the Catechism asked, what is the purpose of humanity? What's our purpose on this earth? And this is how it responds. The chief purpose of humanity is to glorify God and enjoy God forever. We were created to glorify God and, and to enjoy Him forever. So how we live, how we breathe, how we serve, all for the glory of God. So ask yourself today, in fact, ask yourself every day, how can I glorify God today and serve him? Wherever it is, at school, at work, in your community, in your family, wherever it is, ask yourself, how can I do this to the glory of God? And if you're not doing it to the glory of God, you need to rethink what you're doing. All we should do should serve God with glory. And it should also do this next thing. It should honor other people. It should honor other people. That's right. Our service should honor others. Look at these instructions from the book of Romans. It says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. When it comes to serving 
Devotion and love and honor are essential elements of serving others. As followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be devoted to God and thus be devoted to the people he's created. Uh, Andre Uriando, some of you may know him, he's a pastor at Wittenberry Church over in Bloomfield. Uh, but when he just graduated from college back in the 1980s, he got a job in one of the large insurance firms in Hartford. And on the first day of, the wor- uh, of his work, he tells this story that, that his boss brought him in and he introduced him to everybody that was uh, on the floor where he was going to be working. And so he, he spent his day working, and um, the next day the boss said, well, how'd it go? Did you meet everybody? He goes, he goes yeah, I, you know, I met everybody. Everybody came over and talked to me, but, you know, one person didn't come over and talk to me. And the boss said, well, who was that? And he goes, um, what's that guy over, over there? And he goes, well, that's Bill. Um, Bill's hearing impaired. He, he doesn't hear. And Andre said, I, I was shocked. I, I didn't know. And he said, I went home that night and I was talking to my wife and I said, wow, I really wish I could connect with Bill. You know, he, he's hearing impaired. He can't hear me. Um, and, you know, everybody else writes to him on, with notepads so they can communicate with him. And uh, Andre's wife said, well, why don't you learn sign language? So he did. He went to the library and he got a book and he learned how to sign. Hello, my name is Andre. With tears coming down his eyes, Bill said, I've worked here since 1968, and no one has ever signed to me. Followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to be devoted to others, to uh, honor them, and to love them. And and that's what Andre did. And what happened was a a lifelong relationship where they became fast friends and connected uh, over the years. And and they're still friends today. We're supposed to honor one another. You know, in recent years, followers of Jesus Christ have become known more for what they are against rather than what they're for. Now, the reality is this. As human beings, we're all entitled to our own opinions and to our own views, but none of our opinions or views should come before our commitment to Jesus or our commitment to following his instructions for us, like loving other people. We should be known by the fact that We're for God, and therefore, we're for people. We should be known as people who love others. I mean, think this through. What would happen? What would happen if if the leaders of our country and every country went forward with the model that, you know what, I'm for people. I want to do things to help people. I don't want to uh, be adamant about my stance on this issue or on that issue. I want to care for people as I develop what I think is the most important thing to do. What would happen? What would happen if, if followers of Christ from multiple races said, you know what, I want people of races that are different from me to know that I'm for them. And then they went the extra mile for them. What would happen if people of different abilities got to know each other instead of making assumptions about one another and, and really let one another know that they're for one another? What if we served others by devoting ourselves to them and loving them like God loves them and honoring them like we ourselves want to be honored and respected? What if we honored one another 
with our words to each other and online and moved away from being judgmental in our words and our posts? What if Christ followers took the role of encouragers rather than the role of complainers and cynics? If people who say they are Christians lived like Jesus lived and loved and honored people, it would start a cultural revolution. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we're supposed to honor God and glorify Him, and we're supposed to honor others. Here's the the third thing you also need to know about serving God. We're supposed to give our best. That's right, we're supposed to give our best to God. Paul wrote these words to his apprentice, Timothy. He said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Those words speak to us today. We should do our best for God, living out what Scripture teaches us about serving God and others. We should do this because we love God and we're his representatives to the world. I recently read about just an amazing wedding reception. Um, Christine Bocamp and Kyle Kramer got married in the spring of 2007. Uh, They held a wedding reception that was anything other than traditional. Instead of hosting a formal dinner, they held a simple reception at the church where the guests were invited to help distribute food to people in need. In the weeks leading up to their wedding, Christine and Kyle decided that they wanted to begin their marriage with an act of service to Christ. With that goal in mind, they figured out how much money they would have spent on a more extravagant reception and instead used that money to purchase 5,000 pounds of food to give away. The week of the wedding, they spread the word that a truck with free food would be at the church immediately after they had exchanged their vows. And when they had been married, uh, Christine and Kyle, they put on aprons marked bride and groom, and they joined their guests distributing food to over 100 neighborhood families. When they were asked about their charitable act, the couple simply said this. They said, we want to bless God for blessing us with each other. What an amazing act of service. In the letter to the church in Corinth, Paul teaches about spiritual gifts, all right? He he gives uh, God the glory, and he says, listen, God has given every follower of Jesus Christ a spiritual gift, and those gifts are supposed to be used to glorify God and to serve the church. But Paul concludes that section. It's in chapter 12 of the first letter of Corinthians. With these words, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, And yet, I will show you the most excellent way. What is the most excellent way? What is the excellence that God is using Paul to call out of us? I'll tell you. It's in the very next section. It's in the next chapter as we see it. But remember, this was a letter written by Paul, so it just flowed right into the next paragraph. And this is what he said. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others... I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, 
But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. We're called to follow the most excellent way of living by giving our best to God, by loving Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and by loving others the way we ourselves want to be loved. When we talk about serving God and others, it's important for us to focus on those we are serving, but it's also important for us as followers of Jesus Christ to understand there's a bigger picture. So let's talk about seeing what the bigger picture is when we serve God. When we embrace serving others, we're serving God at the very same time. When we embrace serving others, we're doing the work of God's kingdom. And what is that? We're serving God and others for God's will to be done. This is what Jesus tells us. He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. What does that tell us? That that our service to God and to others is an opportunity to, to share with others about why we're doing what we're doing. It's our opportunity to tell people by showing them that our lives have been changed and we're willing to be selfless and serve God and serve others because He has done a work in our lives. It's our opportunity to answer their questions about why we serve and give good deeds. To tell them that we've been loved by God and we want to share His love with others. It's your opportunity to to show and tell the world who God is and that you love him and that he loves you and everybody. So let's get practical, okay? Serving others is a a heart posture. It's a posture that we adopt. It's an attitude that we adopt. And it says, I've been loved and served by God and others. So now, recognizing that I've been loved and served, I too want to serve out of love, God, and the world. Now, serving requires a humble posture where we're both humble and flexible. Some of you, I know, have served on mission trips, and you know when you go and serve another culture, it's important to be humble, to not think you're going to fix the world, but it's also important to be flexible. I can't tell you the number of times I've gone on a mission trip and we were going to do this, but we couldn't do that. We had to do something else. We have to be flexible. And the same thing happens, honestly, here in our culture today. It's an attitude of our heart. So let me ask you this. Let me go back to that uh, little illustration about Chick-fil-A. What if we took on the attitude of those folks who work at Chick-fil-A and said, it's my pleasure to serve you. If we said, you know, I want to serve you from the bottom of my heart. It's, it's my pleasure. Let me get a little bit more practical. Where can you serve? Look, the first place you can serve it is right in the middle of your closest relationships. If you have a family, those are the first people you need to serve. They may be shocked if you start serving them, all right? 
Now, it, it, let's say you're single and you don't have family close by, uh, then your closest friends are the first people that you need to serve. The next place that you need to serve is where you live, in your neighborhood, uh, where you, uh, in your community, where you work, where you go to school, in your church. From there, you can go out and serve the world as God leads you. Now, look, you know, if you call Valley Brook your church home and you've been coming here for more than six months and you haven't started serving, I want to challenge you to. Why? Because that's what followers of Jesus Christ do. If you need some suggestions, we often tell people about what we call first serve opportunities. First serve opportunities are just that. It's an opportunity to serve one time. It's not a long-term commitment. You're not signing up for life. We have opportunities. I encourage you to stop by uh, the live nativity booth in the cafe. We serve our community. One day in December, we set up a, a presentation of what the birth of Jesus may have looked like. And uh, we, we serve our community, invite the community to come in. Thousands of people come through. It's a great way to serve. It's a one-time serve. Other ways you can serve, you can uh, come out for one of our leaf raking uh, days. There's going to be plenty of opportunities like that, as we all know, this time of, life, time of year. And there, look, there's a lot of other opportunities to serve, um, like making meals, uh, praying with people, praying for people, serving in other capacities. One of the things I, I would encourage you, if Valley Brook is your church home, take our growth track, because in growth track, you're going to discover something about your personality. You're going to discover something about your gifts. And you're going to have the opportunity to prayerfully look at how you can find a place to serve according to the way that God's wired you. You know, the reality is this. Is as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been served by the Son of God. He served us completely and ultimately. He laid it all out for us, and it was his pleasure to do so. We need to serve him and the world with that same type of attitude. I want to close in prayer just to give us the opportunity to talk to God about what he's done for us and our response of serving him. So I'm going to start us off in prayer and then I'll invite you just to spend some time in silent prayer to God. Father, as we gather here today, we recognize how you have served us without limits. And we know it was your pleasure to serve us. So as we gather in this place and hear your word and see the directives and the challenges Lord, hear us as we talk to you about our service of you in this world that we live in. Lord, we thank you that you love us and that you desire for us to be in a relationship with you and, and then to live out our faith as your sons and your daughters. So help us do that to the fullest of our ability. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you'd like to know more about that, I encourage you to come up and see me after the service. I'd love to share with you about that. 
If you don't have a church home, we hope that you'll come back next week. And, and at the conclusion, we do want to encourage you to go out to our cafe, have some refreshments, connect with one another. Um, stop by and see Dave and Carolyn, uh, the Zimmers from Myanmar. Talk to them and, and connect with one another about what God spoke to you today. If God's working in your life and you want to pray with somebody, prayer team members will also be up here following the service. So come on up and they would love to pray with you. Let me close with a final blessing for us all. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.